Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast to inspire, empower and support free spirits with a big idea, a project or craft they're passionate about and want to turn into a business. I'm Anke Herman, business coach and mentor, lifelong creator, online tech-loving geek, and I'm the host. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share with your friends. And today's guest is one of the most vibrant and joyful people I've met. She's a friend, she's a coach, and she's the author of a book called Regenerate. Eight Steps to Joy, and her name is Jenny Schmal, and she'll share her remarkable story with us today. Enjoy. Hello and welcome, Jenny. I'm super excited to have you here. Hi, you anchor. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> Wonderful. Why don't we just dive straight in? Why don't you share with people where you're from, where you're based, who you are, and, and what you do. Well, uh, my name's Jenny Schmal. I live in Johannesburg, South Africa. Johannesburg is the city of gold and also one of the world's, I think it's the, one of the top world's man-made forests. So we live in a, ta- in a, in a city that is full of trees, um, Africa is a beautiful place and Johannesburg is a little bit like New York. It's the hub of money, business and really go-getters, if I can call them that. Everybody wants to get ahead and, and live. They, they really live. Yeah, sounds vibrant. Love it. Hmm. Yeah, so what's the and, work you do? Well, I'm a coach a bespoke mentor. And what that really means is I work with people to self-actualize, find their purpose, their mission, and their passion in life. And I coach them with a process on how to get what they really want right now. And sometimes that means align themselves to heal and I think that's where I work with most people so people who've been through divorce distress uh, grief loss rejection and self-limiting beliefs so people with low self-esteem people that are hurt people that are struggling I seem to be the person that they seek out Mm. I'm, I'm a, a person who works with clients not for a long time, so you don't lie on my couch for ages. <laughs> it's sort of a six-session fast-track process to reset you to your default setting of perfection. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It, I love, I love the, the base of that. Is that the default? Is that we're perfect? Are we okay? Yes, because most people think that they are imperfect or not okay. 
And really, that is their perception, but it's not the truth, because we're all okay at a level of, um, of being versus our doing. When we're doing, 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 we think we're not okay. But when we're quiet for a moment or when life throws us a curveball and makes us quiet, we find out that there's a part of us that's untouchable, where there's a huge stillness and a perfection. And um, part of the process that I work with is to take people on a journey to experience their own self-referral. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I, I love what you said, to, ex, to take them to experience it, because I think in the way we are brought up, like nobody ever even asks themselves, what do I really want? And they don't know what that even feels like to be still. Yes, and, and that question, what do you want? is a very powerful question. I mean, it's a psychology question. And the mind cannot answer that. Only the heart can. And most of us are work with our, our minds are in charge all the time. So you say, you know, well, I might want that. And the mind says, no, you don't. You actually want something else. But when you're speaking from the heart or, or from the soul, somebody call it the soul, I call it the heart. Mm. Because the heart has a mind of its own. And it knows what you really want. Yeah. And especially when you've been hurt or you're going through a struggle or a perceived uh, space where not everything is okay in your world, if we had to just listen to our heart, we'd be okay pretty quickly. Yeah. And just to know that we have access to that anytime. Yes. Yeah, that's gold. Yes, yeah, so um, my, my background is uh, for the last maybe 15 years, I've worked in personal transformation. I worked for a company that ran personal transformation courses, and I was their facilitator, their salesperson, their marketer, and um, on-site um, ask Jenny anything kind of person. <laughs> and then... Uh, Life took a strange turn and threw me some curveballs. And it was from then that I decided to go into, into coaching myself or facilitating and mentoring and opening, you know, opening a business where I have bespoke, bespoke coaching for specific areas of life. Mm -hmm. And the areas I work in are body image, business and relationship. But specifically relationship with self yeah. because that's where most of us sort of get stuck. And it all comes down. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. There's something, and, there's, yeah, so the, there's a quote that it always comes back to, to, to mind all the time. There's this, you don't have, people don't have business problems. They have personal issues that show up in their business. Exactly. And that's reminded me what you what you just said. Yeah. Yes, so the mind the mind can be our biggest friend or our worst enemy. And most of the time it's the worst enemy. Yeah. So, true. so I call it uh, the inner file manager. And when the inner file manager takes a day off, you get brain fog and you can't think at all. Oh, that's I love that. Yeah. 
<laughs> that image I can still yeah. picture. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so, did, so that's what... Yeah, yeah. How did you even get into the whole, like, you know, nobody... Kids at school, you know, when you're little, when you're five, when you're ten, you know, and somebody goes, what do you want to do when you grow up? Nobody says, you know, I want to do that kind of work, you know. Little kids want to be a doctor or a teacher or something. Like, how did you get that? Well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start um, around 2007 and we'll start there and I can share from there. Um, I, I was married for 17 years, got a divorce after 17 years, wow. and then was single for another very, very, very long time, quite, quite many years, 13 years. And um, my husband, the father of my three children, got cancer. And we were, like most divorced people, not really connected, except where the children were concerned. Yeah. And um, I then met a man in 2006, and a beautiful man. And uh, we fell in love, and we got married. And eight months later, he died. Oh. So just to backtrack a little... The, the, the father of my children died. A year later, the man of my marriage of eight months had a heart attack and died. And then within a year and a few months, my son was murdered. He was 39. He was shot. Oh. Shot in the heart and that was the news I got. And so I'd started with the one grief, going into the next grief, and then as a mother losing a child... It is a, it's, it's for a child to die before a parent, it upends the normal process of life. Yeah. It's, it's not something that you, you just get over. Your, your, your heart is ripped out. Yeah. Your lungs can't breathe. So I went into a state of shock, you know, losing the three mm. men in my life in quick su succession. And not to stay, uh, you know, in this, in this conversation of how sad it was. It was traumatic. It was, um, it shook me. It rattled me. And um, to stop myself from being, going insane, quite mm. honestly, or, or going on to really heavy medication, I decided that I would do something that I'd always wanted to do. Mm. So I... Um, I thought to write a book. Yeah. Now, it's quite strange about the book because 20 years earlier, I had started a journalism course. I'd paid and gone on a journalism course. And they proceeded to tell me that I would never be a journalist. Oh. They said my, my English was shocking. My comprehension was bad. Everything was shocking, in fact. And um, I gave it up. I was so disappointed. But I always used to make notes and keep yeah. them in a shoebox under the bed. And in these years before I actually published my book and going through my, my grief process, I wrote little notes and put them in a shoebox. Mm. And the book is called um, Regenerate. The J-E-N in the middle is part yeah. of my name. And the eight's the infinity sign. And, yeah. and it's, it's um, eight steps to joy. So the book is about my journey back to self-love after 
you know, this traumatic period of grief. So I stayed home for six years and wrote a book. And put everything that I was going through, so not so much about the story of their deaths, although the book is to honor their their life and their death, but the, the book is really about the process of celebrating life once more and knowing that you have this untouchable place in you that uh, where you can find beauty and comfort and experience yourself and self-actualize. And so it's a, it's a very short book, but it's a very powerful book. Yeah. And I, I, I just wrote it and I, um, I didn't think it was re- worth reading and remembering that I still had two children um, who I thought would be hurt by, by reading the book, by, by having to read, you know, the introduction where I do share about the three people that died. Yeah. But one day I took it to my daughter and uh, she read it and she said, Mommy, please just publish this. Mm, yeah. So I thought, well, I have the eight steps to joy. Mm. I have it in the book. And I, uh, at the same time as writing the book, I got myself a few coaching degrees because I thought you needed a degree mm. to coach somebody. <laughs> but in, re- in retrospect, <laughs> I don't think I had to put myself through all the trauma of going back to school and, and getting, you know, a degree. Because yeah. when you go through a a process of grief and loss like that, um, you can teach, you can share, you can mentor from a space of understanding. So um, I don't only coach people who've been through grief or loss, Mm. but I coach many people that um, have that struggle of um, not feeling good enough, not having self-esteem, not having the confidence, or still being traumatized by um, life that conditioned them to feel inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that would be, you know, most people have, we have all have our, you know, baggage and stories. I'm like... I wasn't sure whether I'd get through this conversation without crying. <laughs> and I'm still not sure. I, I, I must say, Anka, thank you for this because tomorrow is my son's birthday. And um, so this came, this came exactly at the correct time. But perhaps I should share a little bit about my son and, and honor him a little bit because yeah. my son was a rebel without a cause the most beautiful looking man, the most beautiful soul, and the one who lived life at a high speed. And when he died, and I got the phone call that he'd been shot, I, um, I went into a totally calm place. So what happens when somebody dies? After the initial shock of the news, you go into a very quiet space. It's like everything around you disappears and there's only you. Yeah. 
And when a child disappears, uh, when a child disappears, well, disappears from the planet, but they don't disappear. There's no separation. Yes. And in that moment, it's as if they're back in the womb and, and they're with you yeah. and they never leave you. So it may sound strange to many people, but for me, um, my son has never left. And I always think of it as, you know, we, we have a chance to live each moment of every day. Yeah. We never know when we're not going to have that moment again. And so I make sure that I celebrate life every day. And, you know, that I, they honor the, what they meant in my life and what they've given me. Because what's, what came out of this is um, stronger than ever before. Yeah. And, um, you know, at, at this wonderful age of 70, <laughs> I'm writing <laughs> who books. Would, who, would get, who would guess? Like, you look funny. Write, you know, writing books and... Um, going to be running retreats, I coach, I, um, I'm, I, I do speeches, so the people who thought I wasn't going to be a good journalist yeah. were quite <laughs> wrong. I, I found my own voice. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's what I teach a, a lot of people that you have. You have a voice. Speak up. You know, bring forth what your gift is. So a lot of the people I coach, I coach to to bring forth their vision, their message, so that they can make their contribution and become a service to society or clients that they have in any way. Because being a coach doesn't mean you're the only person on the planet that brings a service to somebody. Service is, is service in anything that you do. It's bringing forth your purpose. I always say, People say, how will I find my purpose? Well, you don't find your purpose. You are your purpose. Mm. The purpose arises within. Every time you ask, what do I want? What do I want now? And what is my next step? You know, that question, what is my next step? I'm always asking myself that. So, you know, another book in the pipeline, um, perhaps, but definitely um, retreats in Europe. Mm. a long way from South Africa, but definitely. And of course, they're, they're the three pillars to my work, which are body image. When, when people die, you lose all sense of your own body. Mm. So you either comfort, eat, or starve the body. The cells in the body have a residual memory, mm. and you're triggered by the time they died or what happened next, or the funeral, or what you had to go through. So the mind will give you peace, but the residual cells have their own memory. And uh, for me, it was, it was very obvious because the man that I was married to, the second husband, he died at, at five o'clock in the afternoon, and I was upstairs in our house. And I didn't realize, but every day at five o'clock, I got very frightened. Mm. And until I realized it's the, the memory of the cells. Yeah. So we, 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 um, we, never, we never forget. It never leaves us. It's like a permanent bereavement. But there's a beauty in that mm. because we have the chance to 
celebrate their life each day yeah. in memory of their death. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, I, I, I would love everybody to read my book. It's not about death. It's not about sadness. It's about life yeah. and, and a, um, a journey back to self-love. Because without self-love, we, we have nothing. And so many of us love others, but when it comes to ourselves, we're unable to, we think we love ourselves. Mm. Why do you think that is? That we don't have self-love. Mm. Because I think we are conditioned to love others first. Mm. You know, even as children, your mother will tell, perhaps, well, my mother did, give your chocolates to your brother. <laughs> you know, share. Yeah. You know, so we, we conditioned from childhood. And you asked me a question just now, and you said, obviously, you know, people don't know when they're five years old that they're going to write a book. Well, at five years old, I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> so a lot of drama in that. And isn't that funny how life plays out? And gives you the drama. You may not be the actress, but you get to play the parts. Yeah. And so childhood innocence does play out later in life. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. And there's something, something you said that really resonated for me, that the sense that when people die, that the body sort of leaves, but their essence stays. And, I, and I've always felt that really strongly with my grandma. Yeah. But you know why I say that? Because on, an ener on a scientific energetic scale, hmm. there is only energy. Yeah. So we are an energy. And if, if, if the whole world is a consciousness or an awareness, a ball of an awareness, where do they go? So I suppose it's personal. It's very personal. But for me, it's far more comforting to know that um, the body dies. The essence is impossible to die. Yeah. And also with a mother, apparently I could be very wrong, but uh, for me I believe this, that um, when you give birth to a child, they, they have a link to you. It's like a fine silk thread. Mm. and they still link to you and it never leaves. In fact, anybody you've been in love with or married or part of your family or your tribe, your, your energy stays with each other. Yeah, no, I, I, definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it makes sense when you hear it, but when you really think about the people in your life, it's like, yeah, you can sense it. Totally. Yes. And also, um, you know, we are, we are led to believe that, that death is final mm. and yet maybe not. So, you know, losing a son at 39 affected the siblings and the family and everybody. It affects everybody. But... Losing somebody at 70 is the same thing. Yeah. But each death is different. 
because there's a different feeling about the person or, or, or what you, what you feel. I know how to explain it this way. Okay. So why do we grieve? We grieve because we are so full of love that we still want to give and mm. we're unable. We perceive ourselves unable to give that love anymore. Yeah. And it's us grieving for the love we're not, we're not able to share. That's so true, yeah. Never looked at it that way, yeah. And, and maybe I'll share this. It is a little bit, maybe it's outrageous, but I'll share it anyway. Um, after my husband died, the second husband that just dropped head off to eight months, somebody said to me, um, actually on a, a personal transformation course, he said, what was the gift in his death. Mm. Now, when somebody's just passed away, you, you aren't thinking on those lines. Yeah. And I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. What do you mean? There's no gift. Mm. And he said, keep looking. Yeah. And an hour later, he was still questioning me. And then I started to laugh. And I got this crazy picture in my head. I said, I don't have to hide the shoes anymore. <laughs> You know, when, pe when women go shopping, they don't bring the, the parcels inside. <laughs> it, came, it came out of left field, but mm. it made so much sense to know that even in that despair, yeah. there was some lightness and laughter if you really looked. So my, my book is an honor to those three men who were my biggest lesson and my greatest love and brought me to realize that I was far bigger than what I thought I was. I was far more resilient, far more determined, and far more loving, kind, and um, aware. It also real, made me realize I'm, I'm extremely intuitive, which is... Um, you know, one of my greatest strengths is feeling and intuition, mm. which assists me with, with clients because I, I feel. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, 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 a card teller or a, mm. a magician, but a wise sage is, is lovely to have as a coach. And, and you're only wise because you've, you've lived and the yes. wisdom arises in you, same as joy does. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, can, I relate to that sense of a strong intuition without, you know, being woo-woo, let's say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no woo-woo. We, yeah. we are all intuitive. And we are all clear cognizant, clear audience. You know, yeah. we, we, we had those because in the olden days when there were no doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, when somebody died, the elders in the community or the, the tribe um, looked after each other and they were the coaches. Yeah. You know, they were wise. And, and um, I think in, in today's life when we are in the... Uh, in the trade of coaching or mentoring or whatever it is that we do as a service or contribution, we're simply playing out um, transgenerational abilities to yeah. heal. Yeah. yeah. Self-heal self and offer to others. Yeah, it's all a lot more natural than we...
we sort of made to yes. fit, isn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So where can people go for, and get that book? Well, um, I live in South Africa and Amazon's not very big in South Africa and I happen to publish on Amazon. So it is on Amazon, Regenerate the Eight Steps to Joy. And it's also, I, I, I have a Kindle version, so it can be downloaded as well. And um, if they want to find out about me, they can, you know, check out my, <coughs> excuse me, my website, which is www.rej e n e r the figure eight dot com and find out more about me and um, just so lovely to be able to put the word out there or or have people yeah. listen to this podcast so I have to thank you there Anka oh thank you and it's such a powerful message to to share because the the vibrance and the energy that that you transmit like it comes through the screen it's incredible and so i'm so so grateful that you've decided to come on the show and share your story with us it's my pleasure so wishing you all the best and i'll talk to you again soon but thanks so much for thank coming you. thank you thank you bye bye Thanks for listening to the Passion Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one.